0: Welcome to Business Buzz. Good afternoon. This is Harold Littlejohn, CPA. So glad you're able to spend a little time with me on another nice July afternoon in Chico. Always my favorite time of year. So lots of things today because there's just all kinds of things happening. I do get tempted to spend a little time on things other than business, but since this is Business Buzz... I'm going to stick to business and not politics. I'm not going to get involved with all that. There's plenty of people who will discuss that with you or to you, and I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to get involved in that whole thing. A lot of it's a lot of opinions, and nobody needs to hear another argument. You know what I'm saying? I'm just not. Uh, I used to do a lot of political debates and discussions with people, and I find that it it just sort of I don't know. It doesn't really it doesn't really get anywhere, it doesn't help me much. It just kind of aggravates me and gets me kind of wound up. And like I've said for a long time, I don't like any of the sides. Each side has things I do like. Each side has things I don't like. Unfortunately, we just have a two-party system where you don't get more than two sides usually. That's why I just choose not to be too political in my thinking and my discussing and my arguing because you can argue this stuff all day and what good does it do? Business buzz will stick to business and business news, business thoughts, investment ideas. This is for entertainment purposes only. I'm not a financial planner, but I am a CPA so I can help you with tax type things, especially accounting, taxes. I have a law degree, but I'm not a lawyer. There's just so many things that people need to know that I feel like my main purpose with Business Buzz, not only to introduce you to some interesting people locally, I hope to have uh, more guests in the future. I've been uh, so busy with work, I really haven't had time to get a lot of good guests going, but I do plan on doing that over the next few weeks. So Stay tuned to Business Buzz, and we'll get some more local local business people here once I coordinate the timing with everyone. There's so many things that people really don't hear, and based on my experience with a lot of tax clients, they really don't get exposed to a lot of the things that I talk about. That's why I like to bring things up on Business Buzz that have to do with Mainly like second opinions and other ways to look at things. That's sort of my, that's sort of my favorite thing. Uh, quote of the day today I decided to look up some interesting business quotes. And uh, one that I really like is uh, Mark Twain. He's always got some interesting quotes, and he's got some good, the way he says things, he's almost like a comedian. His quote regarding business is, whenever you find yourself on the side of the majority, it is time to pause and reflect. Now that's very appropriate because one of the indicators that investors can use to try to time some markets or when to get in and when to get out of something is called contrarian investing. When you have Everybody in town agreeing on one thing. I'll give a good example. In 2011, when the price of gold was heading up and it reached like 1900 and close to $2,000, everybody was talking about it. Everybody was pulling money out of the bank and buying an ounce of gold for their savings. When everybody is bullish on something like that or like the stock market at times, There's a thing called a contrarian indicator, and what that means is that the general public is normally wrong on their timing. When you see that everybody's piling into buying a house, everybody's piling in their money to the stock market and their 401k to buy more stocks, that's a contrarian indication that you might be at a top. It's not... There's no science to all this. It's just the general idea that the public is wrong about these types of things. And you can see it over and over. You look at those charts like we've talked about the dot-com crash in 2000, the financial crisis in 2008. Everybody thought the market would never stop going up, but lo and behold, it did, it did go way down. And it will happen again. As I've said before, if I knew exactly when it'll happen again, I'd be the world's richest man and you'd probably never hear from me again because the island that I would buy probably wouldn't have internet. But don't hold your breath. I don't think that's going to happen that soon. So let me just see if I have any other uh, interesting business quotes that I can share with you. Uh, the Mark Twain one was good. The other Mark Twain quote I like a lot is the definition of a gold mine that's a hole in the ground with a liar standing in front of it. He's got a lot of good uh, good quotes. Since we're in the month of July, the one holiday that is big in July, of course, is July 4th, which has already come and gone. I thought about it, the only month that doesn't have a major holiday that I can think of is August. If you can correct me on that, that's fine. I'm considering Mother's Day, well, May has Memorial Day, June has, June has Father's Day and Flag Day. So technically June's almost a non-holiday month, but August is definitely one. But July, it has July 4th. So I was looking up some things I like to talk about uh, Facebook. They call them the FANG stocks. Facebook, Alphabet is now the owner of Google, Uh, Netflix, Amazon, Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, and Google. That's the original FANG, but now Google is called Alphabet, but it's still an A, so that counts. So when you hear people talk about the FANG stocks, one interesting feature is that without the FANG stocks, the stock market would be down this year. The only thing keeping the stock market in a higher mode are what they call these FANG stocks, which are the current hot Facebook, like I say, Facebook, Google, Net, Netflix, Apple. I did also read an interesting article, I didn't bring it. Netflix. They do make a profit during the year, but their cash flow goes out and out. So I'm not sure if they're borrowing the money or how they're dealing with their cash flow. But even though they take in a lot of money, they spend a lot more than they take in. So Netflix is another interesting one that you might want to just double check with your broker and see. Do I hold a lot of Netflix? That's another one that there's so much competition in that whole movie, streaming entertainment world, it's kind of tough to single one out as being the best investment. Now, the article that caught my attention for July was this one that's titled, Facebook Algorithm Flags the Declaration of Independence as Hate Speech. And I'll just read a little bit of that. Over the last couple of years, major social media, news, and video platforms have been actively engaged in the censorship of what they believe to be fake news and information, often spearheaded by third-party review organizations known to have biased views. There have been countless examples of unpopular speech and commentary that has seen its distribution suppressed or outright banned. While there is most certainly a human element involved in the review and flagging of information, mega Silicon Valley conglomerates have also implemented automated systems to identify potentially hateful and repulsive content. To give you an idea of the kind of automation in play and what words and ideas are being identified as running contrary to the principles of media, aggregators, and distributors, consider that Facebook recently banned America's founding document from being posted. Since June 24th, the Liberty County Vindicator of Liberty County, Texas has been sharing daily excerpts from the Declaration in the run-up to July 4th. The idea was to encourage historical literacy among the Vindicator's readers. The first nine such posts of the project went up without incident. But Part 10, writes Vindicator Managing Editor Casey Stinnett, did not appear. Instead, the Vindicator received a notice from Facebook saying that the post goes against our standards on hate speech. The post in question (laughs) contained paragraphs 27 through 31 of the Declaration of Independence, the grievance section of the document wherein the put-upon colonists detail all the irreconcilable differences they have with King George III. Stinnett says that he cannot be sure which exact grievance ran afoul of Facebook's policy, but he assumed that it's paragraph 31, which excoriates the king for inciting domestic insurrections amongst us and has endeavored to bring on the inhabitants of our frontiers, the merciless Indian savages. The removal of the post was an automated action, and Stinnett sent a f- feedback message to Facebook with the hopes of reaching a human being who could then exempt the Declaration of Independence from its H speed restrictions. Well, that's kind of interesting. I mean, I can see the fact that in the old days, The Native Americans were called merciless Indian savages. That isn't very good, and I can see where the algorithm might have found that to be a bit inappropriate. What I've found is that whenever you read things where people are arguing and back and forth and people are restricting, what I've noticed, and I'm not a historian, I'm not a scholar on this, it's just an observation from things I've read, Most of the time, whenever you have an accusation by somebody or some group, it's usually they're usually accusing someone of what they do. I think an example of that in my knowledge of history, which, like I say, is not professional, I'm not a historian, I'm not a, I don't work for a museum, I haven't done research in a real official way at all. One of the things that comes to mind that I know, and I don't know for a fact, but in our American, in the history of the American uh, manifest destiny and going to the West Coast and taking over the Indian lands and all that, what I noticed is that I read that the white settlers were offered rewards for Indian scalps that they turned in. In other words, if somebody was hoping that, say, the Indiana Territory or whatever big group of land was hoping to be settled and you know taken over by the European mail uh, making his way toward the West Coast, I read that Indian scalps were the way you proved you took care of some Native Americans and you proved that you are helping the U.S. government clear out the land for development, the whole bit. If you catch where I'm going here, the legend sort of made it to where the Indians became the scalpers. Now, maybe they did. Like I say, I'm not a historian, but I do believe that the scalping was originally a European idea to prove that they had started clearing land for the development of the United States. Now, don't hold me to it. I'm not a historian, but if, if you ever hear of a group vehemently, vehemently accusing another group of doing something, you can usually assume that the group that's accusing is the one actually doing what they're accusing the other side of doing. And that's just a general observation. I'm not a historian. Don't hold me to it like that. But I feel that with some of the things I've been reading lately, I do feel that that's the case. Whenever someone comes out accusing some group of doing something, it's usually that they're accusing that group of doing what the accusing group is actually already doing. One of my favorite topics is our fragile, our fragile money system. Another one of my favorite topics is our business hero, uh, chairman of Tesla, Elon Musk. I just I know I bring him up quite a bit because it's always entertaining news in the business pages, I still am amazed at what comes up with him over and over. It just doesn't stop. It's almost like, and now I can't be sure of this, it's almost like he wants to be fired. It's almost like he knows the company's going down and he wants to be gone before it goes down. That's just a guess. He comes out with some of the silliest things that he tweets. He's sort of like, well, you know, Trump likes to tweet. But this Musk guy, he's really been doing some crazy stuff lately. And the, uh, I've got an article here that talks about one of the latest gaffes that he's taken care of. So in my opinion, he may be trying to get fired, but we'll see how this all plays out. This is Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Stay tuned for more Business Buzz. I'll be right back.
1: Rock House Dining and Espresso, now featuring Jamming for Jesus, a Christian jam night, Saturday 5 to 8 p.m. Rock House is located only two miles past the hardware store, in Yankee Hill on Highway 70. Originally built in 1937, Rock House has served as a restaurant, tavern, shower house, barber shop, a gas station, and a cafe. Serving yummy and creative vegetarian offerings as well as a fantastic Reuben and French dip sandwich. Yum! Don't forget the awesome iced coffee and fruit smoothies. Rock House is looking forward to hosting more Christian musicians. Enjoy dinner specials every Saturday night at Rock House Dining and Espresso. That's Rock House Dining and Espresso on Highway 70 in Yankee Hill.
0: How are you going to get to the Sacramento airport? Use North Valley Shuttle. It's easy online at NorthValleyShuttle.com. Don't be that person who bugs their friends or family to take you. Book online right now at NorthValleyShuttle.com. North Valley Shuttle has added new departure and arrival times each week for your convenience. Serving Chico, Paradise, Oroville, Gridley, Live Oak, and Yuba City Marysville. North Valley Shuttle gets you there quickly and safely. Leave the car at home and let NorthValleyShuttle.com do the driving. License PSC 20791. back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I'm glad you have a chance to spend part of your afternoon listening to Business Buzz on KKXX. It's always fun to go over some business news and try to educate, entertain, and titillate. Get your mind working, get your brain thinking, and don't stay in that same old rut of thinking like the crowd. I was talking about my favorite subject lately because he keeps doing crazy stuff, Elon Musk, the guy who runs Tesla and SpaceX, and he's just such a forward-thinking genius. So the latest gaffe that he's pulled, I'm not sure if you've heard this on the news, when they were rescuing the Thai soccer players from the cave, he before the rescue was finished, he said he had a miniature submarine that would help to save these kids and he offered it to the Thai government people to use in the rescue. Well, they respectfully declined saying that really wouldn't work here. What ended up happening was he ended up throwing a tantrum and being upset when the kids were all rescued, which is very well, I won't say un-American. I mean, this is a worldwide story that we had with those high children and the rescue. But he actually got upset when they were rescued because they had declined to use his mini submarine technology that he thought would work. I read about that rescue. I'm not sure if you've read some of the details that rescue was so complicated. They actually had to sedate the kids because they had to take them through like underwater passages to get him out. It was really scary. I think it's amazing that they all survived, but to make a long story short, Mr. Musk in his great wisdom sent a tweet and indicated and accused. Now, remember what I said a few minutes ago about accusations. He accused the Thai man who had, I don't think he was a Thai. His name was, um, uh, I'll get to it in this story. His name was Unsworth. I think he might have been Australian. He's the one who got this rescue really going. Musk actually accused Unsworth of being a pedophile in a tweet. He called him pedo boy. And there's talk now of whether this Unsworth guy is going to sue Elon Musk for like slander, uh, libel and slander. the The issue is now we have a major tech analyst who would be someone that the fund investors listen to writing to Elon Musk telling him to knock it off. And it's really interesting. And he basically says over the last, this is his letter to Elon Musk over the last six months, there have been too many examples of concerning behavior that is shaking investor confidence in our view your outburst at analysts on the March 18th earnings call, and I talked to you guys about that a couple months ago, your ongoing frustration with short sellers and the media, your June email exchange with the saboteur, and your confrontation on Twitter with cave diver Vern Unsworth each raised flags with investors. The exchange with Vern Unsworth crossed the line. I suspect you would agree, given you deleted the string from Twitter, but it will take more than that to regain investor confidence. Your behavior is fueling an unhelpful perception of your leadership, thin-skinned and short-tempered. So this guy's advising him what to do. Now, the reason he's advising him is because he probably owns a fund that holds $100 million worth of Tesla stock, and he doesn't want to see that go to zero. So he wants Mr. Musk to shape up and not scare people away from believing in believing in Tesla. So I thought that was really interesting. But again, uh, to 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 accuse a guy who just rescued twelve children from a cave in Thailand and call him a pedophile—I mean, that's unbelievable. And the reason he did that, I I think I can't speak for him is because he was upset that they turned down his offer for his mini submarine that he claims would have helped uh, rescue the kids. So you have an unstable chairman at the head of a company like that it just makes it just makes the problems worse and worse and worse. Moving on to one of my other favorite topics in the world of money is Gold And I have an article here called, The Peak Gold Problem is Very Real. Now, I've talked to you about the fact that the gold price, and they hammered it down again today. In fact, you can make a living just by selling gold the day before the Federal Reserve chairman speaks to Congress. Because every time he speaks, the banks have a silent agreement to sell all the paper gold they can. Gold and silver got what they call monkey hammered today, and it happens every time the Federal Reserve speaks. And I've told you about that before, but I'll talk a little bit more about gold because this is a really good article. So just because, uh, talking about the frustrating watching the price of gold, says just because the crowd isn't investing in something today does not mean they won't be be rushing into it tomorrow. Before every bull market, there was a bear market. For prices to climb higher, they must already be down. Remember, Bitcoin, out of seemingly nowhere, became the biggest mania we've seen in years. And the important part is no one can explain why it suddenly took off. It's not like anything changed with the actual Bitcoins themselves, just people's perception towards it. Then once there are higher prices, comes even higher prices. We call this the greater fool theory. When investors pay for something, knowing someone else will pay more for it. Soon it becomes a vicious self-reinforcing cycle spiraling upwards. To summarize this all together, just because gold hasn't rallied yet today doesn't mean tomorrow it won't. And when it does, it can go higher, even higher than many think is possible. Second, most investors, especially Wall Street, are short-sighted and only invest for the immediate future, not the long term. Warren Buffett pointed out this situation and why it ultimately gives retail investors such a leg up. When everyone's looking at the short run, the intelligent investors can cherry pick the long term and find deep value. So he says I urge retail investors to take advantage of these situations and look at them as opportunities. So don't worry about gold today because the next year or two will prove exactly why all that teeth grinding was worth it. There are a couple of reasons why gold looks so good going forward, regardless of the potential weak short term. I can sit here and tell you why the demand for gold will soar, but I'd rather focus on the supply side, since this is how the best bull markets have formed historically. Putting it simply, we've reached peak gold. There just isn't enough we can find anymore. Gold Corps chairman Ian Telfer has said the world has now reached this peak gold era. This means that global mine production will keep declining because all major gold deposits have already been discovered. Gold produced from mines has gone up pretty steadily for 40 years, Telfer tells the Financial Post. Well, either this year it starts to go down or next year it starts to go down or it's already going down. We're right at peak gold here. And... The actual annual gold production is declining. Now, remember, Russia and China are huge gold producers, but they don't let any of their gold leave their borders, like stupid places like the U.S. does. Russia and China mine their own gold and keep it. Okay, I'm going to keep going. Telfer says that at $1,300 gold or lower, and right now it's at about $1,250, It's all been found. There are no more significant potential mines out there at these prices. And the exploration records show just that. Many forget that mining companies are self-cannibalizing industries. Each ounce that's pulled out of the ground today is one less ounce for tomorrow. Therefore, they must always be looking for new sources of gold. Telfer goes on to say how all the major mining companies, Barrick, Newmont, Gold Corp., are all shrinking fast. Now, I'm going to be coming up on the bottom of the hour break here, but I'm going to get back to this because this is very important for you to realize that part of your portfolio should be in physical gold, at least a part of it. This is a very important signal that gold production worldwide is going to start declining because when the peaks reach, the only way to go is down. We need to ask ourselves, is it just one gold mining chairman's opinion or is this peak gold and industry worry? And I'll come back to this in a little bit after the break, but uh, there's a lot of people sounding the alarm on what's called peak gold, which means we'll never have this much gold mining again, and it's going nowhere but down. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Stay tuned for Business Buzz. I'll be right back. This book is either the Word of God or it's not, one way or another. The story's either true or it's not. The interesting thing is this Bible can be verified by extra-biblical history. This is the most accurate account of ancient history in the world, proven to be so by the facts, not by hearsay or myth or some preacher telling you. It's an amazing thing. David Hawking shares more on the amazing power and accuracy of God's Word this week on Hope for Today.
1: Tune in for Hope for Today weekdays at 8 a.m. here on KKXX. Just go to mergedgospels.com.
0: I used to watch like tons of TV, and now I can turn the radio on and just listen to that all day.
1: It's a life-changing station. Your life has significance and purpose. Oh, it gives you hope. It just lifts your day up. Jesus said that you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you
0: free. That includes truths about who you are and how God sees you. Our programming helps you grasp those truths.
1: I listen to it when I go to work, and it helps make the day a better day.
0: You found Life Radio, KKXX, AM and FM. Welcome back to Business Buzz. This is Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I was talking about peak gold, and that just means there's never going to be this much coming out of the ground again. And this article goes on to say, here are some other big names sounding the alarm. Pierre Lassonde, the billionaire founder of Franco Nevada Gold, also believes the same. That peak gold is here and current mine supplies are at risk. Rudy Frank, the CEO and chairman of Seabridge Gold, says that peak gold is the new reality. Kevin Dushniski, president of Barrick Gold, and I think they're the biggest gold company in the world, has said that falling grades and production levels, as well as a lack on new discoveries, are what's going to drive the next gold bull market. And... Uh, Many of the old mining companies that couldn't survive have bankrupted, they're gone, and all the remaining gold companies overproduced just to make up for the lost revenues caused from a falling gold price. I call this the running on a hamster wheel problem. They depleted their finite resources and burned through their cash only to simply sustain without really going anywhere. The thing is, analysts know this about the gold market. It's not some hidden secret. They know prices will rise eventually, but like I said in the beginning, they would rather start buying after prices have risen than before because their careers depend on it. This gives us an advantage to find the best high-quality assets that will have their valuations soar once the price of gold climbs higher. The investment thesis is really simple. As gold production and supplies continue declining, the gold price will do very well in the long term. We now know because of this peak gold situation that the 1,300-ounce price level is the floor and that over time the price of gold will trend higher. As I wrote earlier, we're in the early stages of a supply-driven bull market, and these are the kinds of bull markets that get me most excited. Now, the thing about that is, is that when the gold gets to be this low, now it's gone from 1,340 or so, down to about 1230 lately, paper gold, of course. What I've told you before is that when the big boys, if a rich guy wants $50 million worth of gold, he doesn't get it for 1230 an ounce. He has to pay about twice that because nobody with a lot of gold is selling it at this fake paper price. You and I can call up AppMax or one of the gold suppliers that you can buy an ounce of gold from And there's always a gold coin available. And that's what keeps this system working. The entire system is based on you and I not taking our money out of the bank and putting it in something like gold, uh, maybe farmland or silver. I'm just thinking of things that are real. What's real? If you know that inflation is coming, for instance, I was driving down the street the other day and I saw a truck go by that was probably on a. I'm guessing it was like on a test drive from Whitmire because I was down on Bruce Road. And in the window of the truck was the price of the truck. It was something over $60,000. I think it said $61,499 or something, or 64599 five ninety-nine. I don't know. If you had known 10 years ago that the price of a truck was going to double, and you were on a fixed income, wouldn't you be more inclined to buy now than wait till later? What it is is that, of course, trucks and things wear out, but if you knew for a fact that this global debt crisis was going to make gold worth a lot of money in the future, wouldn't you want to buy some now? Well, this whole system is based on you not thinking that. When they hammer the gold price every time the Federal Reserve guy speaks, they're just they're pounding into your brain the fact that that gold is the worst investment you could possibly make and sometimes it's on a day where the facebook and amazon stock are going up by 2 or 3 4% but gold's down a percent or two so it's just they're 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 convincing you for sure that that's the stupidest thing you can do it's just like the magician who makes you look one way while he does his sleight of hand while you're not watching it's the old look over there not over here syndrome and that's what we've been exposed to for years and years and years and no one realizes that this is the first time in the world where there are no currencies backed by anything but the full faith and credit of various governments it's all paper there's nothing backing any of this money which leads me to my next article which is called global debt time bomb surges to nearly 250, and after that there's 12 zeros. So that's $250 trillion. Global debt time bomb surges to nearly $250 trillion. That's a quarter quadrillion. Debt surges globally, and global debt is up almost $150 trillion in just 15 years. Debt expansion appears to be accelerating. And in quarter one 2018 alone, global debt surged by another $8 trillion. Now that is outrageous because that is 3%. Because if you take 240, if you take the debt at the end of December, that would be $242 trillion. It surged by another $8 trillion. That's $3.5 percent of global debt just got added on in three months that's a percent per month what's going to happen well everything's going to completely fall apart is what's going to happen after falling marginally in recent years global debt to gdp and that's gross domestic product that's the way they measure it they can you can say well if debt might be up but if, if production is up, then that's okay. Well, the way they measure it is global debt divided by gross domestic product. So after falling marginally in recent years, global debt to GDP increased in quarter one and global growth is now slowing while global debt increases. All major countries and every state of society sees debt surge and massive consumer, household, business, financial, and government uh, the debt surge in context of GDP as a share of the world economy, the increase went from below 250% of GDP in 2003 to nearly 320% today. Quarter quadrillion in debt does not include massive global pension liabilities and other unfunded liabilities such as U.S. Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid. Medicaid and there's a quote another financial crisis is coming the question is when so that is kind of scary the 250 trillion now remember i told you about a trillion and how big a trillion is that's 1 trillion let me do i got to do a little math here because if we were to look at 250 trillion let me take a look i'm going to find my calculator here on my phone and what it is is that, uh, where's that calculator? Here it is. Okay, so what I told you was that a, in seconds, a million was 11 and a half days, a billion was 31 years, and since a trillion is a thousand billion, a trillion seconds would take 31,000 years to. To tick by. Think about that for a while. Now, here we go. How many years would the 250 trillion, how many years would that take in seconds? You ready for the answer? 7,750,000 years. As I said before, I do not believe this debt will ever be repaid. And if it does, it'll be repaid in dollars that are so worthless that that silver quarter from 1964 that I've been telling you to save, or buy one for 350 and save it in your pocket, that quarter will be incalculable how much that'll be worth. As I've mentioned before also on previous episodes of Business Buzz, if you were in Venezuela right now, and you had an ounce of silver, you could probably buy an entire month's worth of food for your family with that ounce of silver. Problem is, nobody down there has any. They probably, number one, they probably weren't allowed to own it. And number two, if they could get it, they couldn't afford the $16 an ounce to buy it. Because people in other countries, they, they live on a lot less than we do, or than a lot of us do. I'm going to briefly give you a little bit of a Egon von Greyer's article. It is from July 5th, and it's called U.S. Debt Explosion and Weimar 2. And if you ever hear the word Weimar, what that means is the Weimar Republic, uh, Germany in the early 1920s experienced hyperinflation. And that's where you see the pictures of the wheelbarrow full of paper money going to the store to buy a loaf of bread. That's what hyperinflation means. I'm going to just start with this article and boil it down. Um, Most major markets are now looking extremely vulnerable, be it Japan, Germany, or the U.S. Fundamentally, most markets are overvalued with the help of central bank liquidity. Now, that just means the bailout money that bails out all the banks. It doesn't bail out you and me. It bails out big banks and that's what liquidity is, has happened over the last 10 years. Also, technically, we are not far from crashes in most markets. While there is always a possibility of a last hurrah, it looks like all markets have topped, including the U.S., and that later in 2018 we will see major falls. Once the bear markets start, they are likely to turn into secular trends that last many years and result in falls of 75 to 95%. Difficult to believe for most investors today, but nobody in 1929 believed that the Dow would fall 90% in the ensuing years and take 25 years to recover. And I've mentioned that before, so we're coming up on that break number three. The stock market went down 90% of its value after the 1929 crash. But it took three years to get that far down. Then it took 25 years to get back to where it was before. I'm going to take one more break. Stay tuned to Business Buzz. I'm glad you're here today. I'm Harold Littlejohn. I'll be right back.
1: young diamonds. This is Ken Ham, author, speaker, and blogger on science and the Bible's reliability. Diamonds are thought to be one of the oldest substances on earth, and they are, but they aren't billions of years old. They're formed in creation rocks, so they're only about 6,000 years old. Now you've probably heard of carbon-14, often used as a dating method it can only last for tens of thousands of years. After that amount of time, it will have completely decayed. But researchers have found carbon-14 in diamonds. Now, follow me here. If they're really billions of years old, there shouldn't be any carbon-14 left. But there is, and they're too hard to have been contaminated. They're not just beautiful, they point to the truth of the Bible's history. Got questions about the flood, geology, and more? Visit our faith-affirming website at AnswersRadio.com. You'll be equipped and encouraged at AnswersRadio.com. 180 over 111, and I had a stroke. 145 over 92, and then I had a heart attack. 150 over 90, and I had a stroke.
0: Welcome back to Business Buzz. This is Harold Littlejohn, CPA. If you ever need a second opinion or you ever need some tax advice, I do a lot of income tax planning. This year with the new tax law in 2018, there's plenty of opportunities to make your taxes go lower. And I'm the person that you can call. There's lots of good tax professionals in Chico, but I consider myself one of them. My number is 895 You can call and I'll get back with you if I'm not there when you call. I have a small office. Keep the overhead as low as I can. Save you money too. That is uh, the main thing this year is, number one, doing the usual tax planning, but now we also have planning with a brand new tax law. If you need a second opinion or you're thinking about either switching or needing a professional for the first time, Think about me when you're, when you're considering that. One thing about this article I was just reading, I'm going to end uh, that segment right now with the end of this article, but U.S. debt doubles every eight years. When Trump was elected in November 16, this is uh, Mr. Von Greyer's talking, I forecast that U.S. debt would continue to double every eight years on average as it has done since Reagan became president. That would lead to 28 trillion debt by 2021 and 40 trillion by 2025. That's how the doubling hurts everybody. And our debt, like I said, it's just something to keep in mind. When you think about the money you've managed to save, worked hard, tried to save, don't let it slip away, don't let it disappear. When they tell you to invest in something, it's like the magician. Look over here, don't look over here. They want you in the things that they run up and crash. Look at this stock market, it goes up and it crashes, it goes up and it crashes. Problem is, people like you and me, we aren't ready for the crash, and if we aren't careful, we'll lose half of our money in a a crash within a few months. What else is interesting, like the 1929 crash, it only took, Two and a half years, I believe, for the low to hit in about 1932. But it took 25 years to climb back up to the original location of the top of the market. That's one of the big problems. Everybody's hoping the market goes up, but the markets go down a lot faster than they go up. Last week, I was sharing with you my Miracle Business Method book that I'm going to be publishing this fall, and part of that stems from some of the thinking in a book called Course in Miracles. I've been having some discussions with people that I work with, people that I exchange ideas with, some writers that I know, and one of their main questions is, well, you know, how does that all balance out with the Bible and Christianity? And like I tried to explain last week, I'm not a biblical scholar. I don't pretend to be one. I'm not a spiritual scholar. I don't pretend to be one. I just try to recommend things that have helped me and that I've observed being good quality things that might help. If anything I've told you about this course resonates with you, I recommend that you look into it and at least study it a little bit. It doesn't have to conflict with your religious views at all. This is not a something that conflicts with anything I know of that the bible says or that jesus says to me it's just it's just a clarification of what some of those things mean for instance i mentioned last week the famous quote the meek shall inherit the earth that is not true in the sense of the physical world the meek will not inherit the earth the meek don't get the earth they they rent they don't buy they rent you know what I'm saying. If you're, if you're kind, if you're gentle, if you forgive everybody, you're not going to take over the world and earn billions of dollars acting that way. The meek will not inherit the physical earth. What that, what that quote means, according to the Course, is that you already have everything you could ever want. Why do you want the earth? There's nothing here of value. That's sort of the bottom line of the of the course. So I thought I would share today, a few episodes back I shared lesson one, which was the very first lesson in the course workbook, and it starts out with, uh, that blank doesn't mean anything, and you look around and you, you don't pick and choose, you don't try to include everything, but you don't exclude anything, and you say, that chair doesn't mean anything, that window doesn't mean anything, In here it would be that pen doesn't mean anything, that microphone doesn't mean anything, and that's lesson one. Now, if that doesn't resonate with you, then maybe the course really isn't for you, but to me, the less, that, for one thing, you know how hard it is to change what's happening in the world. I know people who have been crusading for causes for 30, 40, 50 years. Things that have changed, I've noticed things like litter on the highway. When I was a kid, there was trash everywhere. And Keep America Beautiful, over time, I'd say 10 or 20 years of that, pretty much got rid of litter on the highway, uh, generally. So things can be done, but it takes years and years and millions of people doing it. Anything that can lighten the load of what this world does to you what that puts in front of you, the problems it presents you with on a daily basis. In my opinion, if there's something that can bring you peace during all that, I say, why not try it? And I have tried it. And it's, like I say, to me, it's been a life-changing book. And I'm still studying it. I'm by no means an expert. But it's very interesting. So I wanted to share share a little more. And this will help you with business. We're here on Business Buzz business goes as the rest of your life goes and if you can calm calmly handle people in general that will apply to your business as well as your personal and your and your home life so there's nothing that business needs any different than any other part of your life needs it's all the same thing so I'm going to read from lesson four and this takes the same idea as lesson one but it goes a little bit further The title of this lesson is, These Thoughts Do Not Mean Anything. They are like the things I see in this room. Unlike the preceding ones, these exercises do not begin with the idea for the day. In these practice periods, begin with noting the thoughts that are crossing your mind for about a minute. Now I'm going to take a break here and remind you that the Miracle Business Method, the number one thing that you need to do to calm yourself down and have things settle down for you is to step back and observe your thoughts. So this lesson is directly telling you to do that. I'm going to read that again. Begin with noting the thoughts that are crossing your mind for about a minute. Then apply the idea to them. If you are already aware of unhappy thoughts, use them as subjects for the idea. Do not, however, select only the thoughts you think are bad. You will find if you train yourself to look at your thoughts that they represent such a mixture that, in a sense, none of them can be called good or bad. This is why they do not mean anything. In selecting the subjects for the application of today's idea, the usual specificity is required. Do not be afraid to use good thoughts as well as bad. None of them represent your real thoughts, which are being covered up by them. The good ones are but shadows of what lies beyond and shadows make sight difficult. The bad ones are blocks to sight and make seeing impossible. You do not want either. This is a major exercise and will be repeated from time to time in somewhat different form. The aim here is to train you in the first steps toward the goal of separating the meaningless from the meaningful. It is a first attempt in the long-range purpose of learning to see the meaninglessness as outside you and the meaningful within. It is also the beginning of training your mind to recognize what is the same and what is different. In using your thoughts for application of the idea for today, identify each thought by the central figure or event it contains. For example, this thought about blank does not mean anything. It is like the things I see in this room And so on. You can also use the idea for a particular thought that you recognize as harmful. This practice is useful, but is not a substitute for the more random procedures to be followed for the exercises. Do not, however, examine your mind for more than a minute or so. You are too inexperienced as yet to avoid a tendency to become pointlessly preoccupied. Now, that's another thing I like about this workbook in the course It knows that you are not trained, and I'm not trained. It knows how untrained you are for this type of thinking. So it just says, don't do this for more than a minute. Further, since these exercises are the first of their kind, you may find the suspension of judgment in connection with thoughts particularly difficult. Do not repeat these exercises more than three or four times during the day. We will return to them later. So this isn't something that you do all day long. You just do it for a minute, three or four times during the day. It's very helpful when you do this, and like I say, you don't have to believe it. I talked about this last week. You don't have to believe it. You just need to try it. Try for a moment doing these type of exercises. Now I'm going to jump ahead here just to lesson 10, which is very close to uh, it's very similar to the lesson four. And it says, uh, my thoughts do not mean anything. This idea applies to all the thoughts of which you are aware or become aware in the practice periods. The reason the idea is applicable to all of them is that they are not your real thoughts. We have made this distinction before and will do so again. You have no basis for comparison as yet. When you do, you will have no doubt that what you once believed were your thoughts did not mean anything. Now, that's what I'm saying when you step back into that right mind situation. You realize that the worldly thoughts are the ones that should be given less weight to your day. And the stepping back, observing mind should be given more weight to your day. This is the second time we have used this kind of idea. The form is only slightly different. This time the idea is introduced with my thoughts instead of these thoughts, and no link is made overtly with the things around you. The emphasis is now on the lack of reality of what you think you think. The aspect of the correction process began with the idea that the thoughts of which you are aware are meaningless, outside rather than within, and then stressed their past rather than their present status. Now we are emphasizing that the presence of these thoughts means that you are not thinking. This is merely another way of repeating our earlier statement that your mind is really a blank. To recognize this is to recognize nothingness when you think you see it. As such, it is the prerequisite for vision. Now don't do this while driving. Close your eyes for these exercises and introduce them by repeating the idea for today quite slowly to yourself. Then add, this idea will help to release me from all that I now believe. So in other words, you say, my thought about blank does not mean anything. This idea will help to release me from all that I now believe. I'll just wrap up here with the final minute or two of the show. I bring this up because I noticed that most there's people who are spend their entire day completely wrapped up in their thoughts in what somebody just said. You need to pull back from that and at least spend a few minutes a day in this right mind and do things like this exercise and say, And say things like, that thought doesn't mean anything. Because the less importance you put on these things, the more peace of mind you'll end up having. The goal of the course is peace of mind. That's all it really says is the goal. And the other thing it says is a quiet mind is not a small gift. What could be better than peace of mind? That's sort of where this is all leading. While you're doing your business today, take a minute and step back and observe your thoughts instead of letting your thoughts take you away like leaves being pulled down a stream. If you let your thoughts take your day away, you'll realize you'll look up 20 minutes later and say, what happened to the last 20 minutes? Because your mind took you to all these different places. It's a real interesting thing to start doing these exercises and I just recommend you give them a try. And I'll be back soon with another episode of Business Buzz. I'm so glad you had some time for me today. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I'll see you next time on Business Buzz. Have a great rest of your afternoon. KKXX Paradise,
1: K280GL Chico,
0: and K283AR Chico. Yuba City Marysville At Les Schwab Tires we figure If you're looking for an adventure you probably Don't mean car trouble that's why we Offer free pre-trip safety checks So instead of dealing with a busted Rear strut you're off enjoying a Roller coaster or Colorado's Biggest steak why get hung up With a blown tire when what you really Want to find is the west coast's largest Possum statue so stop On by before your next trip We'll get you good to go all for free Les Schwab tires. Doing the right thing matters. And now join us for a Sunday sermon rebroadcast
1: from Pleasant Valley Baptist Church, featuring Pastor Tim Rule. You can check out Pleasant Valley Baptist at pvbaptist.org or on Facebook search for PVBC Chico. The title for today's sermon is Is There Not a Cause? in 1st Samuel chapter 17 1st Samuel